Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Join me this morning, if you would, in the Gospel of Matthew and the first chapter. Special Sunday morning. Matthew's Gospel, first chapter. Again, welcome to all of those who are with us today, especially those who may be visiting. Special day, Mom's Day, and so we have some sons and daughters visiting with moms, and so we're sure glad you're here today. I'm sure it's been a special time for your mom to have you with her in church today. God bless you for coming. If you're joining us online, we welcome you today and trust that you're having a great day where you are. And if you're anywhere close to here at Open Bible, we'd love to have you join us in person and come spend some time with us so we can get to know you. I remember growing up, there was, there was this list. It was called the most likely to succeed list. Remember those lists? Do they still have something like that today? Yes. I don't want to date myself, but, you know, the most likely to succeed. I won't tell you if I was ever put on that list or not, and I won't ask you if you were, but there was another list, and it was the most unlikely to succeed list. You remember that? Uh, and again, I won't tell you if I was put on that list. You know, a lot of times in yearbooks, you know, years ago, you have a yearbook, and, you know, sometimes they would put the most likely to blow up the world or make a mess of things, and the most unlikely to, right? So you got these lists. Well, in Matthew chapter number one, there's a list of ladies that I think you might say is an, it's just a list of unlikely to succeed. If you look at that word unlikely, we would probably maybe use the words like this, doubtful. So how, how do you, what do you talk about unlikely? Well, doubtful, uh, improbable, improbable, uh, questionable, far-fetched, right? We can go on. Uh, when you talk about these individuals, it's, it's unlikely that they would be on this list. But I want you to see for yourself as to why they may be. Look at uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 1, and verse 1. The Bible says, The book of the, gene uh, of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so you know what this is? This is Ancestry.com. <laughs> you know, Bible version. Because what we're doing now is we're looking at the bloodline, the ancestral bloodline, the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is how it came down. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Judah and his brethren. Had 11 brothers, became the nation of Israel. And then Judah begat Phares and Zarah, of Tamar. You ought to highlight that, Tamar. And Phares begat Ezram, 
and Ezram begot Aram, and Aram begot Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Rahab. You ought to highlight that. And then Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. You ought to highlight that. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her, of her, of her that had not, uh, that had been the wife of Uriah. Now I'll stop there. And I ask you to highlight a few women because I would say this, if you were to talk about them in their arena of life, in their economy, <laughs> it would certainly be the most unlikely to succeed. Unlikely. You guys with me? Uh, I usually give them cues, you know, and they pop these things on the screen. Unlikely. And, uh, and, and I, want you to, I want you to see as to why I say that. When you look at the list in verse number three, we're introduced to a woman named Tamar. Tamar. And I would say this about Tamar. She's a picture of a desperate woman. Anybody know the story of Tamar? Interesting story. I'll make it real brief. She's the daughter-in-law of Judah. Uh, we, we, we mentioned Judah here in the… Judah was one of Jacob's sons. He, he's, he's one of the patriarch's sons. Judah was, was one of the individuals, one of the sons who, who formulates the nation of Israel. Well, Tamar um, is his daughter-in-law. Her husband dies and leaves her without children. Judah gives her to Onan, her brother-in-law, and he dies leaving her childless. So now here she is in that world without a son, left you in a difficult situation. So what she does is this, she plays, she plays the harlot. She acts out of desperation and plays a harlot and seduces her father-in-law, Judah, and bears a son with him. That's an icky story. That's messy. Huh? I mean, that's something you might, you might read in the tabloids. Say amen right there. Uh, and yet, and yet we find Tamar in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 3, mentioned in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unlikely. Unlikely. Uh, as you move down the list, chapter number 1, verse number 5, you read about a woman named Rahab. Come on, man. Everybody knows Rahab's story. Even non-church people unreligious people know about Rahab, right? The uh, Bible tells us about Rahab in the book of, of uh, Joshua. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, she's an unsaved woman, uh, but yet she has a child and names that child Boaz. Now, get this. Boaz marries a, wim a woman who begets Obed, and he begets Jesse, who begets David, who becomes the king in Israel. Somebody say, wow. Whew. That's interesting. Here's a harlot, Rahab, you know, who <laughs> in the lineage of Christ, what in the world is she doing there? Unlikely. Wouldn't you agree? Unlikely. 
And yet there she is. Same verse, same verse. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Ruth. You ever read a story about Ruth? In fact, there's a book in the Bible named Ruth. Interesting story. We would say that Ruth is a woman from the wrong side of the tracks. And the reason we say that is because she was a Moabite. And the Israelites were told to have no dealings at all with the Moabites. They'll mess you up, man. Did you ever hear that growing up? Man, you don't want to have anything to do with them. Fathers will tell their daughters, no, you can't date that boy. Why? He's from the wrong side of the tracks. What does that mean? Don't believe like we believe. Don't behave like we behave. You know, they, 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 they're just not the same. It has no, 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 doesn't make a difference what color of the skin they are. Their faith is not the same. They're from the wrong side of the track. Well, that was Ruth. That was Ruth. And yet the Bible tells us that Ruth wins the heart of her mother-in-law, Naomi, and then marries, he, she marries a fellow named Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. What a story. What a story. If you're looking at the most unlikely to succeed list, you certainly would put on it Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and then in verse number five, an unnamed woman. Uh, verse six, I'm sorry. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. You've heard of the wisdom of Solomon, right? Now look at this. Of her that had been the wife of your, like we weren't going to find out her name. <laughs> like we weren't going to do a Google search and do a deep dive to find out who in the world is this woman, right? Come on now. They had Google back then. They didn't call it Google. But they had ways of finding out. Who was this woman? What's her name? Bathsheba. Bathsheba, the nameless woman. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, you know this. You know that Bathsheba was the wife of a fellow named Uriah, and one day David, the king of Israel, did something that was totally inappropriate, sinless, shameful. He had an affair with her, in fact, committed adultery with her, and, and had an illegitimate child with her. You know the Bible says this about that child. The Lord took him home. But then David did right, he got his heart right, married Bathsheba, and had another son named Solomon. Solomon became the wisest man ever lived. Amen? And yet, Bathsheba finds herself on this list. Did you see it? Look, verse number six. Again, and Jesse begot David, the king, uh, the king, and the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. Wow. Unlikely. Now, there are folks that come along and would debate that list and say, how in the world could the sinless Son of God come through such a flawed line of descendants? Right? I mean, how could it be? With God, all things are possible. And when you trace the Bible, here's what you find. God often used unlikely people to accomplish His will. Men and women, and not just men and women. Sometimes he would use animals. I love the story of Balaam, don't you? Did you ever read the story of Balaam? Uh, here's the prophet Balaam who's going to just do his own thing and wouldn't listen to God. And so what's God do? He raises up a donkey and speaks through the donkey, and the donkey, and I'm not talking about cheesesteaks here, 
The Lord speaks through that donkey, and that donkey gives him wisdom and pauses him right in his tracks. You know, God, our God uses the most unlikely events, the most unlikely people to accomplish as well, men and women. And so when I look at this list, it doesn't bother me that a Tamar and a Rahab and a Ruth and a Bathsheba are there because I understand how God works. And I can trace this throughout the Scriptures. For example, move on with me, guys. We read in 2 Kings chapter 4, don't go there, but in 2 Kings, now follow along because this is the message. In 2 Kings chapter 4, no, you, you go back to where you were. In 2 Kings chapter number 4, we read about a certain woman. You've read it before, I'm sure. Uh, she is the wife of a dead prophet's son. Now, pay attention to these things. I'm going to make a point in, in just a moment. Uh, there's a situation that occurs in her life. She finds herself destitute. The man of God, Elisha, is coming through. And you know what she does? She cries out to the man of God, Elisha, for help. And you know what he does? The man of God, Elisha? He begins to interrogate her. Think about it. Here's a desperate woman. Her husband's dead. In that economy, I mean, to tell you, it leaves you in a pretty, pretty bad situation. Cries out to the man of God for help. He begins to interrogate her. To make a long story short, he asks her this question. Uh, so let me ask you, what do you have in your house? She must have thought to herself, what? What's that got to do with the price of tomatoes? What? But she responds, and she says, all I have is a jar of oil. And so you know what he does? He gives her instruction as to what to do with the jar of oil. And if she would do what he told her to do with the jar of oil, her need would be met. It almost reminds me of John's gospel, where he talks about the little fella who had just a few fish and a few loaves. Remember that story? Huh? There's a multitude, and Jesus says to his disciples, he says, fellas, these folks have been with us all day. we got to feed them. They're hungry. They must have been Baptist. <laughs> They're hungry. What, what are we going to do? And, man, they came back with all these different. And, and one of the disciples said, well, there's a little fellow. I was walking through the crowd. There's a little boy there. His mom packed him a lunch. He's got a couple of loaves, a couple of fishes. And here's what the disciples said. What are they amongst so many? And if you read between the lines, the Lord said to the disciple, listen, he said, go ask that little fella if he'll, if he'll lend us his lunch. He didn't say, go ask that little fella if he's got enough to feed the multitudes. No, go ask that little fella if he'll lend us his lunch. Same story in the Old Testament. Here's Elisha says to the woman, what do you have? I need help. I cry out for help. And you ask me what I have? All I have is a jar of oil. And he said, that's enough for God to work if you'll just do what I'm going to tell you to do with that jar of oil. Ah, there's another story in the Bible, Hebrews chapter number 11. Don't turn there. Keep these three stories in mind. Hebrews 11, there's an unnamed, another unnamed woman. This woman is named as the mother of Moses. How many of you know her name? What is it? Yeah, Jochebed. Jochebed. She's the mother of Moses. Jochebed. And you know, the Bible teaches this about her. Uh, her faith caused her son, Moses. Her faith caused her son, Moses, to act out in faith and lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. But in Hebrews chapter number 11, that hall of faith chapter, her name's not even mentioned, Jochebed. And then, and then you read in 1 Samuel about a woman named Hannah. 
We've all heard of Hannah before, correct? Hannah, what a, what a great story in the Bible. Here's a woman who, who was lacking the one thing she wanted most. What did she want most? A child. She wanted the man-child. She wanted a little boy because she wanted to take that boy and dedicate that boy to the service of the king. But she was barren. So you know what she does? Here's what you do. You read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 2, and 3 about this Hannah, and you read how she prays to God. I mean, she gets on her face before God and cries out to God, and then she surrenders herself to His will. And all of a sudden, like, she's found with child. She has a baby. She names the baby Samuel, and we read in the Bible the books of 1 and 2 Samuel. Unlikely. Unlike God uses unlikely people. By the way, newsflash, I'm looking at a room filled with them today. Unlikely people to do unbelievable things when we surrender ourselves under the hand of God. Well, I could bore you this morning with story after story, with line after line, with testimony after testimony of individuals who would credit their success to a godly mother, not to their uh, institution of education, not to their skill set, not to their personality, not to their charisma, but many successful people today would go back and credit their success to the godly influence of their mother. And that mother just being a mother, a godly mother, did what she was told to do. She yielded herself to God and prayed for her brood, prayed for her children. And now her children become success stories. Unlikely. So, before you leave out of here this morning, I'm going to give you something to take with you. Not just cute stories, but Bible truth that I believe would help you and I to influence not just our children and not just this generation, but generations to come. If you just take those last three stories I told you about, that widow woman, that wi- what can we learn from her? Here, here's a lesson. Use what you have. Use what you have. I love that story. I love, I love the story of, of the little lad who had to fish in the loaves, you know, because it's just like our God to allow you and I to be a part of His world. We call it His economy. Isn't it wonderful? God allows you and I, nobody's unlikely to become a part of His kingdom, to advance His kingdom. In fact, you know what Jesus told His disciples? They said, Lord, teach us to pray, like John taught His disciples to pray. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, all right, all right, here's what you do. When you pray, I want you to use this model as as a guideline. He didn't say pray this prayer. He said, use this as a model. He said this, when you pray, pray to your Father, our Father. Pray pray to God like He's your Father, like you talk to your Father, right? And then pray, uh, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What he's saying is this, you ought to pray that God's name is magnified and hallowed on the earth. Huh? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he said this. He said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So you ought to pray to your Father that his name would be hallowed and then live in such a way that you advance his kingdom. 
Every day, every morning, you ought to pray, God, help me to live in such a way today that I advance your kingdom. How do you do that? Use what you got. We get all bent out of shape, all worried, overwhelmed because of what we don't have when you're not even using what you do have for the glory of God. Just use what you got. That's what those individuals did. <laughs> that, little, that little lady, you know, went inside and she followed the instruction of the prophet Elisha. And she used that jar of oil just like he told her to use that jar of oil. And guess what? That oil never ran out. That disciple came to that little fellow and he said to that little fellow, hey, the Lord has need of your, your, your lunch. Would you give him what you got? The little boy said, here, take it. And the Lord touched it and multiplied it, and it fed multitudes simply because a little boy used what he had. I never forget when God called me into the ministry. I tell you what, I was, I was the most surprised person. I know everybody around me was surprised, but nobody was more surprised than me. And you know, when he called me, ah, Donald, when he called me, he didn't say, uh, let me talk to you, young man. Mm, what's your level of education? He never asked. He never said to me, do you have a good handle uh, on the king's language? Can you speak English? He never asked because back then, I couldn't speak as well as I can speak now, but I couldn't speak this good then. He never said to me, so uh, what's your, no, he just said, are you willing to use what you got? And I remember him just tapped me on the shoulder. The missionary said, who will go for us? And he, he, Isaiah said, I'll go. And I remember sitting back there where you're at, Norman, and I said, I'll go. And the Lord said, all right, come on. I said, huh? <laughs> I was just joking. And get up out of my seat, walk down the aisle, and yielded myself to God. That's a long time ago, man. That was back early 80s. And ever since, all I've been doing is using what I got. I can't use what I don't have, but I can use what I do have. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Folks, listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, don't, don't, allow, don't allow anything to get in your way in advancing God's kingdom. Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, young people, old people, all the in-between people. Use what you have to advance the kingdom of God in this society in which we live. It's an important lesson. Don't let your education or lack of it get in the way. By the way, some people that, have educa that, that are educated are the worst Christians. But everything's got to make sense. No, it's all by faith. We get saved by faith. We serve by faith. We're sustained by faith. It's by faith, not by education. So don't let your education or your lack of it get in the way. Don't let your personality or the lack of it get in your way. Have you ever heard this testimony? Have you ever heard a preacher get up and say that before God called them to preach, they were a wallflower, they were shy, failed public speaking? Did you ever hear that testimony? Come on, have you? You've been around for a while. You've heard that before, right? And you sat there because the guy's, he's preaching and he's, he's laughing and he's making you laugh, and you say, yeah, right, liar. <laughs> liar. I wish, I honestly, Tony, I wish there were a way to just every once in a while when I'm preaching, just hit the button and 
and maybe my 10th grade year shows up when I was a 10th grade. In 10th grade. Uh, I was a good looking dude. I just teased him. Do you know in 10th grade, Donald, I promise, this is the facts, I'm not lying, I promise you. In 10th grade, I failed public speaking. I did. I had to do, I had to do a two-minute speech in a class called public speaking. My teacher was Mr. Young. Mr. Young was one of those guys who had no personality, wore his glasses like that, and just looked like this. <laughs> and because my name begins with a Y, Sometimes that's a great benefit, especially when you're in school. As the last person had to do it, so I got a chance to watch all my friends, not realizing now they're all sitting there watching me. And so it's my turn, 10th grade, public speaking. I don't remember, it was probably a sports talk, because that's all I was interested in back then was sports. And I remember Mr. Young sitting at his desk. He never moved. Your turn. And I got up and went to the podium in front of all, you know, it was about 30, 35, and I went to an all-boys high school. Brutal. Those guys were brutal. All boys in that room, 35 of them, you know, hated all of them. And I'll never forget, he said, start. And he had a timer, start. And I looked down and I looked up, and that was it. Because once I looked up, they were doing everything imaginable to mess me up and get in my head. About 30 seconds went by and he said, you can go now. And he just sat there, you can go now. Okay. Two minutes went up and he said, you're done. I never said a word. I never said a word. I failed public speaking. So when God called me to preach, I thought, <laughs> I would go to church. I kid you not. Raji, I would go to church and hide behind people. Because I would know, I learned, I learned that the pastor would call people out to pray, and, and, and I thought, good grief. And I would, I would just try to hide behind people, beginning of service, end of service, you know? And until that one day, Chuck, I'm telling you, it's gospel truth, that one day when pastor was closing service, and he looked right around you, Chuck, and he saw me. <laughs> and I had my head down, and he said, Brother Yanizzi, would you close in prayer? And I thought, he's got the wrong Brother Yanizzi here. Because there was two others, my brother and my father, and they prayed, not me. Brother Yanizzi, would you pray? And I don't know what I prayed, but I remember what I was thinking. I hate this guy. I'll never come back to this church. Huh? But then God calls me to preach. And he just said to me, would you use what you got? And for 40 years now, I've been using what I've got. Hello? It ain't much. Did you see what I just said? Ain't much. Huh? But he's not looking for much because he's got much. He just needs little. Little is much when God is in it. You just use what you got. Don't let your person, don't let your social status or lack of it get in the way. Don't let your age or lack of it get in the way. Huh? Just use what you got. When you move on to that next story, the story of Jochebed, there's another life lesson. Here, here, here's what it is. Living faith carries influence. Living faith. Carry. See, it's one thing for you and I to say, I believe in God. I'm saved. I go to church. And another thing to actually live it out where people see your faith in action. Isn't that what, isn't that what Christianity is all about? 
It's being, it's being a little Jesus. It's being Christ-like. Well, in that story, the faith of, of Jochebed, uh, she imparts her faith as a living example into her son, Moses. <laughs> and when you read the book of Moses, or when you read the book, did you ever read the book of Moses? <laughs> Tony, did you study that in college, the book of Moses? Oh, you're not that advanced yet, right? When you read the book of Hebrews, <laughs> you begin to see Moses acting out in faith. Hebrews is a great story. Exodus is a tremendous story of Moses in his prime. Right? And he tells you all that he did. Hebrews gives us a summation, gives us a snapshot of his faith. And it shows you the influence that the living faith of his mother had on him. Because here's what you find. It says this, book of Hebrews, chapter 11, says, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, you think about that for a second. He was given up Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, giving up all of that. In our economy, he has given up the seashore house, the boat, the jet skis, the house up in the mountains with the deer stand right in the perfect location. Gave it all up by faith. It says this, by faith, he chose to suffer affliction. By faith, he esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater, uh, the, the, the reproach, greater than the treasures of Egypt. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith, by faith, by faith. Where did he get that faith? He got that faith by the living faith of his mother's influence. Jochebed. And you know the story, you know what she did. She influenced him. And listen carefully. Your living faith will influence others to express faith. Your living faith. And I think what you and I need to do is we need to share our faith. We need to share our faith by word. We'll share our faith indeed. Don't you agree? I said this a couple weeks ago. I love that uh, church sign about years and years ago. It just simply said this. You drive down the street, see those church signs that speak, you know. And this one said this, preach the word at all times. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Another word, what he's saying is this. You and I will live out the gospel. People ought to see our living faith. And it will influence them. Yeah. And then finally, finally, I want you to see that last story, the story of Hannah. And here's a life lesson. Listen, believe that God is working behind the scenes. Believe that God is working behind the scenes. So why do you find these lessons in the Bible? Why do you find these stories in the Bible? Here's a woman, a, 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 a wife of a dead prophet's son. And yet, man, right there, in the Holy Writ, 2 Samuel 4, you read this story, and she just cries out to a prophet, it's unlikely. And yet, we highlight it centuries later of someone who has used what they had for the kingdom and for God's glory. Here's Jochebed. I'll tell you something right now. You get to heaven, you, you, you're going to have to search and search and search to find her if you're looking for her. Behind the scenes. Huh? She did what the Lord told her to do. Take that little boy, put him in that little basket, and, and, and put that basket in the river. And all of a sudden, that, that winding water takes that little basket with that little baby Moses down to where Pharaoh's daughter, her handmaid, scoops him up. 
What did she do? I'll tell you what she did, man. She just had faith in God, and her living faith became an influence in her son's life. And then you have Hannah. Many have been encouraged by Hannah, the story of Hannah. Simply put, she prays a prayer, she keeps a promise, she surrenders to God. Say it with me. She prays a prayer. She prays a prayer. She keeps her promise. She surrenders to God. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's something I can do. I can pray a prayer. I can keep a promise. I can surrender to God. It's something you can do. Say it with me. I can say a prayer. I can keep a promise. I can surrender to God. Even us unlikely people, we can pray a prayer. We can keep a promise. We can surrender to God. Are you with me? But you know what she did? Here's what she did. By faith, she was able to peek. She was able to take a peek at what God was doing behind the scenes. You can't, you can't, look here, you can't see that just by looking out. You can't see that when the medical report comes back and says, mm, never going to have a kid. You can't see it there. The doctor doesn't say, you know, you're never going to have a kid. But, no, you've got to by faith peek into what God is doing behind the scenes and trust him. That's what she did. That's what she did. See, only, only faith, only faith could allow us to see what God is doing. And you know what that creates? It creates something called hope. Hope. Isn't hope great? Man, if you don't have hope, you are in this world most miserable. But hope, you know what hope is? Here's what many think hope is. Oh, I have hope. And what you're really saying is, you know, God, please let this stop. That's not hope. Hope is not keeping in your mind, this can only last so long, because you're wrong. You really have no, law, no idea how long it might last. So hope isn't wishing that this is going to stop soon. No, hope is understanding that God is up to something good on your behalf behind the scenes. Can I give that to you again? Hope is understanding that God is up to something good on your behalf behind the scenes. This may not end soon. I might have to endure this, but God is up to something good on my behalf behind the scenes. And that is hope. That's hope. Not that it's going to end soon. Do I hope it ends soon? Yeah. I'm not crazy. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't like trouble, trials, and difficulties. Not at all. Mm -mm. But I know this. I have hope because I believe God loves me and he's working behind the scenes to do something good for me through all of this. That's hope. God is doing something yet to be revealed in that impossible situation with that impossible person. Amen? Amen, amen. So God uses unlikely people to carry out his work. However, there's a criteria to follow, and here it is. You've got to believe that God's at work. I mean, if you want to see God working, you've got to believe he's working. Oh, that was, have I lulled you to sleep? If you want to see God work, you've got to believe that he's working. No more breakfast before preaching. We'll give you lunch after I'm done. You want to see God work, you've got to believe that he's working. 
And you need to surrender your will to his. Because he's not going to work the way you want him to. He's not going to work when you want him to. Hello? No, it's got to be, Lord, I know you're at work. Good enough for me. Now, let me, let me just be honest here. I don't like that. I want God to work on my timetable. Hello? I want what I want, and I want it yesterday. Want to wait? Come on, Lord. What kind of joke is that? That's the best way to get her done. And then you must use what you have. Elizabeth Elliot said this. She said, the fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. She's the wife of a great missionary. Huh? The fact that I'm a woman doesn't make me a great, doesn't make me a great Christian, but the fact that I'm a Christian makes me a great woman. Corey Ten Boom, you know who that is. She said this. She said, with Jesus, even our darkest moments, in our darkest moments, the best remains, and the very best is yet to come. Amen. Corey, uh, Catherine Booth, the, the wife of General Booth, the Salvation Army, said, I know not what he is about to do with me, but I have given myself entirely into his hands. Unlikely people. And God has used in wonderful ways. Someone said the Christian life is not a cakewalk, it's a faith walk from start to finish. And if you and I will just use what we have, let our faith influence others and know and believe that God is up to something behind the scenes, we too will make a difference in the world in which we live. We too will influence a generation of godly young people. We too can advance His kingdom. Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.